Hey, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy, Just JC, and I got my real good friend right here. I'm Massar and James Wernke. And you're back on the 1% podcast, and I don't, I don't even know on YouTube anymore. I've been gone for so long, but we're doing an interview with one of my friends, one of my mentors, who is also a master military training instructor, Blue Rope, master sergeant, and also the operations superintendent at the 331st. Um, Wolfpack. Yep, Wolfpack. He's been here at BMT for since March of 2019. So he's been here for a while. Um, but I'm bringing him in uh, so we can talk about kind of his his story, how he got here, how he's been so successful, and you know some of the things that he's done to kind of get him to where he's at. So I'll stop talking right now and go ahead and throw the ball to your court. Um, go ahead, man. Go t- tell us about yourself. You know where you're from and kind of how your, your career field. Because um, okay. MTIs aren't just MTIs, all right, y'all. It's, we all come from different career fields. So tell about tell us about you. All right, so I'm James Wernke. I come from Cincinnati, Ohio, and I joined the Air Force back in May of 2011. Went through the 321st Training Squadron, and then from there on the tech school over at Keesler and followed by Shepard Air Force Base. What was your job? My job by trade is electronic warfare on AFSOC airframes. So basically anything missile defense on okay. an aircraft. What's what's for the ones listening and ones watching, what's AFSOC and so kind of let's, let's break it down. Cool, yeah. yeah. AFSOC is Air Force Special Operations Command. Mm-hmm. So any aircraft that they own, I work on, which is anything from uh, slick transport like MC-130Js to MFL XFIL and hostile situations to AC-130 gunships to the HH-60s for uh, combat search and rescue, otherwise known as CSAR. Okay, like PJs, right? PJs yep. stuff. Okay. So you, you've been in since 2011, right? You're a master sergeant. Yep. Um, so um, doing pretty well for yourself, right? Uh, tell us about like your story. So you went to tech school in Shepherd. Um, what was your first base? You know, how how did you get to where you're at? Because a lot of people um, go through their careers, and uh, we talk about and you see a lot of stuff on social media, and it's like, how did they get to where they're at? You know what I mean? Like, how did they become the the best of the best? You don't just wake up there. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, kind of break down your story, like your tech school and your first base, and kind of what drove you to, you know, be where you're at now. Okay, so my job listing, I had no idea what it really was. Mm. Um, Originally, I was trying to go through the pipeline, and I needed to get out of Cincinnati because I was already in the depth for like a year at that point, Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to get to basic training. And my recruiter was like, you could cross-train later if that's what you wanted to do into a a special warfare type of position. They always take people, so if that's what you want to do, go for it later. But I got a job opening for you right now where you can ship out to BMT. And I was like, bet, too easy. So flew out, and uh, I didn't really know much about my job, but I ended up falling in love with it. It's a pretty awesome job. It's super complex. You have to think a lot. And you do everything from radar-guided threats to infrared-guided threats, so heat-seeking missiles. And basically the systems that I worked on on those uh, aircraft, I started out on AC-130s, and I'll get to that in a second, but... Um, everything to keep those aircraft in the air and not be shot down as like sitting ducks when they're 10,000 feet flying in circles, shooting up bad guys, um, was in my realm of responsibility. Okay. So my first duty station was Cannon Air Force Base. And where's that at? That's in Clovis, New Mexico. Okay. So 
a lot of people were like, oh, you got Canon. And they're like, oh, that sucks. And I had no idea where it was. I was like, okay, New Mexico. That's all I really know. Yeah. And uh, I had no idea really what it was like. But I'm actually really glad that that's where I started off at because I really focused on everything with just my career field and uh, literally tried to become the best at my job out of anyone in the entire Air Force. That was like my goal was to be known as the best EW technician in the entire Air Force. So uh, I kind of had like a go-getter mentality from the beginning. Um, when I was in basic training, I always like wanted to become an MTI later. So that kind of led me to where I am today. But so you, so back in BMT, you already knew at that time you want to be an MTI. Yes. All right. That's crazy because for me, I was that was the last thing I wanted to do. So why was, I guess, because um, you joined a little later in life, right? Yeah, I was... Uh, 22 almost 23 okay what did you do prior to joining bmt so i went to ohio state for two years after Buckeyes, high school right yep okay. the ohio state university uh -huh. yeah. the right yeah you see the, how we threw that in there yeah. kind of nonchalant the one right? and only yeah uh -huh. so up in columbus ohio like i said i'm from cincinnati so um i always wanted to be a buckeye and go to school there i uh, i played football growing up and stuff and did mm -hmm. boxing and stuff like that so i was always in the sports and i I didn't have the size to play at Ohio State, but yeah. I always like wished I could play at Ohio State. Went to school there anyway because I just loved the school. I loved the football team. I loved the program they had there. Um, and it was a lot of money. So yeah, it's super expensive. And I ended up not really being able to afford it and got out and started working construction. Um, in the meantime, I was like still going to like community college. Mm -hmm. But um, it just wasn't really for me. And I was like, I really want to like figure out something better to do. Um, versus working landscaping construction. I was doing like concrete. Um, so there's a lot of like hard labor work, but yeah. it was cool too at the time. And <clears throat> I was making decent money, but the recession was going on at that point in time back in like Oh nine, 10. And, uh, we were getting laid off on a lot of jobs. So during the summer or I'm sorry, the winter, there was like no work. And then summertime would roll around and we'd start really getting picking up with jobs again. So it was like kind of like consistently like you didn't know what was going to go on. Yeah. Um, Very so sporadic was, on yeah. kind of your workload. And then that kind of led you to joining the Air Force. Right? Yes. I originally. So I guess, yeah, we're backtracking a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so I had some buddies that were in the military and I always kind of like thought it would be something that I would be interested in. I just mm -hmm. originally had different plans going to college and everything. But um, one of my best friends um, was in the Army, and he was infantry for um, the 1st Cav. And he talked to me a lot about going Army with him and doing, like, the Ranger indoctrination program that they had at the time where you yeah. could enlist and yeah. go straight into the Ranger program because he was going through uh, trying to become an Army Ranger at the time. And uh, I went and talked to the Army recruiter, and on my way there I saw, like, the Air Force recruiter and uh, didn't really talk to him that time. I just – he was like outside at the time. He's like, Hey, are you interested? And I was like, oh, I got a thing over here at the army. So I went into the army, talked to them. And, uh, I really thought about joining the army. And then I even went and saw the Marines too. And thought that that would be something I'd be interested in. But ultimately, uh, like my family kind of swayed me to join the air force. Um, mostly because they were like, you can get a career with the air force. That's going to last outside of whatever time you do in the military so mm, whether it's four six twenty yep. years yeah yep. so I, I didn't know really like how long i would stay in or anything like that i just mm -hmm. wanted to go out and do it and so i ended up long story short yeah joining the air force and yeah during base military training i 
really like, it was like the first time I really found like a true sense of like purpose in my life. Yeah. And I was like, this is where I belong. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. What was your well, job not, in BMT? I didn't have any student leader position. Really? Really? Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I yeah. was uh, like a beast monitor or something yeah, later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't have uh, any like... I wasn't an element leader. I wasn't a dorm chief. Mm. It's kind of surprising, uh, definitely, because <clears throat> um, there's some people around us in our room, and they're probably like, this dude was probably a dorm chief or something in that manner. But uh, nope. not saying it's surprising, but it's a little, little it wasn't what, what I was expecting. <laughs> uh, yeah. One of our friends is doing a thumbs down in the back right now. But okay, so yeah. you were a beast monitor, which is, uh, for those of you listening, it's equivalent to a dorm chief at, at for Beast, Beast yeah. right? So it's it's a student leader position. So uh, had that in BMT, went to your career field, uh, went to your first base uh, in Canon. Um, and now I, I'm, I'm kind of like zooming through your career, but fast forward to now, um, you're the operations superintendent at the 331st. Mm -hmm. uh, for those of you watching, uh, technically, well, not technically, he's my boss right now, so... With that in mind, right, we, you, you went from not necessarily dropping out of college, but this wasn't your, you know, it wasn't for you. No, yeah, I was pretty much dropping out. Yeah, dropped out, <laughs> it was. right? He dropped <laughs> yeah, out, it was. Uh, looked at the Marines and Army, went to the Air Force, and then kind of skyrocketed from th that point to where you're at now. Um, the operations superintendent, I, I guess, to this kind of, I don't even know how to, for like the job, like the easiest way to say, like, just overseeing everything operationally that happens within the squadron. So yeah. every bit of training, every bit of um, processes, manning. Um, manning, yeah, you name it, um, it falls under my umbrella. So it's up there, so. right? And uh, kind of on top of that, you're you're a master sergeant and also a master military training instructor, a blue rope, top 10%. So these accolades are kind of stacked up right now, you know, to where you're at. And um, we'll, we'll, let's kind of talk about you know, what drove you to get there? Because you've kind of told us your story, uh, your pre-BMT, while BMT, tech school, and your job. But, like, there's other people that have had the same exact kind of um, road, but they're not where you're at. You know what I mean? So what what really got mm -hmm. you to where you're at? What what made you become a blue? What made you, like, you know, go for operations? Like, wh what is it? Like, is it is it desire? Is it a fire? What is it? That's kind of a hard question. So I think, like... To be honest, I didn't really seek out any of the positions. I didn't seek out to go to Stanieval. Mm -hmm. The only thing I sought out was to get a blue rope. Yeah. Um, I never expected all the other things that came with it to come mm -hmm. with it. Um, I a little bit backtracking. I, I did so. I did my time at Cannon um, on the AC-130H model gunship, the Spectre, mm -hmm. which is a retired aircraft now. And most recently, they just retired the Whiskey gunship. Yep. So I felt like. That put a lot of perspective, deploying with those aircraft, working with those aircraft, um, it put a lot of perspective into how I do business. Like everything that I do, I treat like it's the most important thing that is actually going on. And why is that? I think uh, from a young age, like coming up in as a maintainer, like, I was always taught like when you sign your name on this form, you're literally putting mm. people's hand, uh, lives in your hands. Yeah. And that was definitely true with the nature of the business that I worked in, um, on a deployment, uh, I had in Afghanistan and Bagram, mm -hmm. um, one of our aircraft got shot at by an incoming or by an infrared seeking missile. And my system diverted it from hitting the aircraft, which was like something that was pretty crazy and didn't happen very often. So it was, 
um, being the like sole member with, from my career field out there on that shift. Cause we were just one and one. Yeah. It, it, it definitely like put a lot of perspective in my mind. Like, Hey, if I didn't do my job, like those people wouldn't have been coming home that day and whoever else was on the ground that we were providing support for. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> wouldn't have been probably coming home either because they were counting on our gunships to come in and do their, kill do bad, their job. kill the bad yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. From there I went to Kadena yeah. and I worked on HH 60 golfs at, uh, at the 33rd rescue helicopters, unit. So right? helicopters. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that definitely put a lot of this, the flip side. So it went from the killing business to the saving business. Yeah. And, uh, just everything that you do matters. You might not see it, but everything that you do or don't do matters. There's some kind of consequence. Yeah. So I've just always been the type to where like, I'm going to give everything I got into what I'm doing because I feel like lives are literally on the line. And that's something I always like tie into trainees. So yeah, if any of you are my uh, former trainees out there, you probably heard me say like, if you don't do your job out there, people are going to die <laughs> and like stuff like that. But it's definitely true. Like yeah, no matter what your job is, Someone's counting on you, and you have to give your best. The Air Force is a giant machine, yeah. and it takes every internal cog to turn and function properly for the big picture to happen. So um, I, I saw that from a young, I guess a young airman age, where a lot of people were not really getting that. And I took pride in like being the guy that was sitting down reading TOs and digging into the the, the 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 GS port, yeah. uh, of the the general series of the of the TO where it went yeah. into a little bit more in depth of like system theory and knowledge, and then I would go into the wiring diagrams and figure out what what everything did and what each wire was responsible for, mm-hmm. while other people were cutting it up and kind of bullshitting. I was doing that stuff, and then I was the one getting picked to go on deployments and figuring out how to fix the aircraft and stuff like that. So yeah. it was always uh, to me it was like more rewarding to get that kind of stuff so would you say it's more of like an internal thing that got you there or it's it's the things that you're exposed to that kind of had that like light bulb moment where like you know what this matters and, yeah and you, you when that light bulb went off it was like hard to shut it off as you progress in your career yeah. um okay so and for, yeah for for me that kind of started in basic like i okay. was saying like that was like the first time i like really felt like a true purpose yeah so i figure whatever I did, I would give my very best at. So, yeah, it's like an internal thing. Yeah, okay. Intrinsic motivation yeah. type of thing. Yeah. And definitely I would say that that's something that a lot of us have in common, uh, not necessarily with, like, the Blue Ropes, um, MTIs, but usually at that level, it's something that's more more, like, intrinsically motivated mm. kind of individuals, especially for those of you that have, like, watched my videos and listened to us. It's the people I bring in were very similar in, in that nature, but the way that we got there was – very different, uh, yeah. definitely from your story and then uh, McDonald that's been on here, then myself. It's how we got to this point is very, very different, but we're very similar. So it's kind of cool to kind of hear that, you know, from your end. But now that you're here, right, you have a lot of things happening uh, in your life as well. Because yeah. the biggest thing that I want y'all to, that listening and watching to understand is that we're not just military members. You know, we're not just yeah. like robots. Personal life. Yeah, there's yeah. also personal life. But yeah. That same kind of thing that got you to where you're at um, also translates in your personal life. Like being successful yeah. is the big thing. So, what would you, what would you say about that? Um, obviously, success is measured in different ways. Uh, your success as Operation Soup and a Blue Rope, you know, how, how does that translate to like what like your life? You know what I mean? Like how does how does all that 
Kind yeah. Of. So just really, it's everything that you do. Um, I try to be the best at it. Yeah. Um, not, it doesn't always work out that way, but mm-hmm. I'm a father to be soon. Yep. And I have a beautiful girlfriend. Mm-hmm. We're expecting a baby girl. So, yep. Shadow, she's right uh, there. Victoria, yep. Listening. Yeah, so. <laughs> Victoria. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, so some of my former trainees too, they, they heard me talk about her before, and some of yeah. them even prior to COVID got the opportunity to even meet her. Yeah, they're on my TikTok too, all y'all yeah. creepers. <laughs> Is that song working? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully, y'all are doing good things out there because I pushed you hard for a reason. Mm-hmm. So um, hopefully, it drove a fire inside. But basically, yeah, it comes down to just wanting to be the best at anything I do, um, whether it be in my personal life. Mm-hmm. I want to be the best, you know, significant other, spouse, mm-hmm. father um, friend, mm-hmm. um, all those things. Um, it's a lot to juggle, especially with this career field. Yeah. Uh, this takes a lot of time out of my life. Yeah. Um, but it is, I feel like it is worth it. This mm-hmm. is a unique time where it's a, you know, it's a controlled tour. So yeah. we know we only have so much time and then you never get this opportunity again. So I definitely want to make the most of it with everything and put everything I have into it while I have it. And, um, not look back with any kind of regret. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, fast forwarding to my start at BMT. Um, so I came from Kadena over mm-hmm. to Lackland back in March of 2019. And I knew like, like I told you earlier, this was something I wanted to do since basic myself being a trainee. And it was almost like surreal, um, coming come down here. here. Yes, it yeah. was. Yeah. So, I remember I was like, I was intimidated um, coming yeah. back. I was, um, you know, I didn't know, like, you know, you come down here, you're, you're basically a three level all over again. So you're brand new at the job. Yeah. So For I knew those of you, it's like, you're the bottom of the totem pole yeah. pretty much coming from the top. All right. Yeah. And I, I knew that and expected that. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to know anything. I don't, I haven't done drills since I was a trainee. Yeah. I never did honor guard or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but what I did know I could do and what I would succeed with would be like interactions with the, tr- the trainees and, and pushing the flights to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been running teams and stuff like that my whole career. Um, and then just being able to relate those like operational experiences and why we do everything that we do. Um, I thought I, I felt like that would be my strong suit coming down here. And I just, Definitely from the beginning, I already knew I wanted to be a blue rope someday. Yeah. Um, right off the bat, I was like, that was the only thing I knew that there was, though, coming yeah. here. I didn't yeah, know yeah, that yeah. there was, you know, section chiefs, uh, MTI school instructors. I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. All I knew of was blue ropes because mm-hmm. I remember the blue rope blue ropes, that, <laughs> that tore me up when yep. I was a trainee. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I want to be like that. They were like the respected mm-hmm. uh, top of the, you know, food chain. Yeah. Um, cream of the crop back then and still are you know so that's definitely it was something i knew i wanted um but yeah so i started out 324th training squadron at the rhnts that's the knights for those yeah. of you knights listening or watching um, ready for it, well, battle i guess back yeah yeah let me <laughs> yeah, backtrack yeah. just a little bit too but yeah that's right ready for battle uh-huh. uh but mtis yeah I, I i really enjoyed mtis i thought it was um a beneficial experience for mm-hmm. me because I didn't have any podium experience. I wasn't a like tech school. Yep. Yeah, I was yeah. never a tech school instructor or anything like that. So I didn't have any teaching experience, like by a format. So yeah. I was just, you know, kind of like a sponge and just took everything in and 
learned everything I could from my instructors. I had some pretty good instructors and they taught me a lot of stuff. Um, and I, I was welcomed in immediately when I went to the 324th because I preed there for about a month yeah. before the start of MTI school. And it was already like a family, like just showing up. Um, it was really cool. So had a really good group of instructors that kind of showed me the way a little bit. And we had our lone blue rope over there. Uh, now Master Sergeant Duffy, he was our MDC. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, OG. looking up to him. Yeah, yeah. and he was... Kind of like, hey, I'll take you under my wing kind of thing. You're going to be a blue rope someday. Because I was already pretty motivated. He saw that, and I was trying to learn everything I could during mm-hmm. pre, like pring. Um, I was watching pickup. I was going the first wake up um, where other people were like, oh, I'm going to do my eight hours and go Get home here, and chill. Yeah. But I, I just loved it. I thought it was awesome. And I got to be around a lot of really good old school instructors that kind of showed me the way. Um, so I try to always do that same thing for others now and kind of show the way yeah. um, and give that example or that first whole impression of like kind of how I had it I, and uh, give that example of like what it should look like yeah. as an MTI, not the way it has to be, but a way that is successful. So, and one, uh, I guess example is that is literally sitting right in front of you. Right. So for those of you that don't know, um, Master on Worky at the time he was Stan Eval. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he humbled me, right? So um, he, actually, <laughs> he did an evaluation on me, no notice, and uh, I failed it. I bombed it. Uh, I was very cocky and hot, you know, because I just became a black opa trainer, and I was like, I got this, right? So he actually <laughs> emailed me. <laughs> I gave you some good feedback, yeah, though, he did, right? He did. Yeah, he, he emailed me, and I bombed it. I failed it, and I was surprised. He, he knew it, like, because my facial was like, like what? I failed? Um, but yep. the, the biggest thing that I would say from that moment right there, that situation was not because I failed, was that um, as an individual, right, the person that you are kind of, and you talk about it, trying to lead the way and show the way you actually like said, hey, here's my number. I want you to hit me up and I'm going to help you out and we're going to like figure this, you know, figure this out and I'm going to help you. And I thought like, ah, you know, the typical like, sure, bro, like, all right, yep. you know what I mean? And literally that same day texted me. So. Uh, fast forward to now obviously i'm a blue rope you know i work with him so it's it's facts you know what i mean so that right there and and i'm a i'm a living example of that same thing that you talked about what would you say like you, you what what would you be your biggest advice for those of listening and watching like um those it's a mentor really right that's like that's a mentor like what would your biggest advice be for those of those listening and watching that don't have that kind of individual that kind of facetime with somebody like that like what would you tell them like what would be your biggest advice for them to be able to be successful like what would you do um so definitely seek out others um a lot of people expect someone to come and grab them and pull them up with them and that's unfortunately not always the case yeah and i know like i fall short on that a lot of times because you can't help everyone and it's tough like i wish i could i wish i had all the time in the world to be able to go grab up a young instructor and say come come with me come under my wing let me show you how to do this do that what do you need help with all those kind of things but the facts and the reality is it's not going to happen for the majority of people out there yeah so if you show that initiative to go out and seek others. They're like, all right, this person's actually interested. And it might not work the first time with the first person, but eventually you might find someone that you can really get some mentorship with. And yeah. And 
I kind of had that same thing kind of happen with myself. Like yeah. I, I told you there was a lot of great examples of what an MTI was. And I had a awesome, um, blue rope. He was the lone blue rope of the three twenty fourth. Yeah. He didn't have time to come help me do everything, but every little interaction that we had mattered and I took it. And when it was time for me to go up for my blue rope, I didn't have like everybody like in my corner to be like, Hey, let's practice this. Let's practice. I was out there grinding it. Had my student watching me. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, let me know what you see. That doesn't look right. Kind of thing. I'm learning like, let's learn together kind of thing. Yeah. So it helped him a lot and it helped me a lot because I was able to get some feedback, even if it was like something off the wall, even it was like, Oh shoot. I didn't even even think about it. It was still something. Yeah. Yeah. So then I started just seeking people out. I had a same thing. Um, an older blue rope Mm -hmm. gone now at the time gave me his number and was like, hit me up anytime. Um, basically, you know, here's my number and I'm not the type of person that's just going to give it to you and not be there when you hit me up. It was Sergeant Cook. Yeah. yeah, Yep. And I had interacted with him since he was a young black strap MTI as well. Yeah. And I always looked up to him. I was like, man, he's sharp. I want to be kind of like him. That's you know, the OG. We have our different styles for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, Sergeant Cook and I, <laughs> I go a little bit more uh, crazy, crazy <laughs> yeah, on yeah. some things versus he's very calculated and he holds everyone to the standard around them and yeah. accepts nothing but greatness. So, same kind of thing. We just have different ways of going about it. That's why I always tell people, like, you don't have to do it the way I do. But I'm showing you a way and there's the standard and the, uh, the accountability piece doesn't change. Yeah. How you go about it is there, there's a million ways to do it. Yeah. But as long as that push and that accepting nothing but excellence is there, you'll be set up for success. So I definitely, I hit him up and he came out and introduced me to some other blue ropes at the time and had them evaluate me on different things. Yeah. Um, and then I asked those people for their numbers and they're like, you know, what the heck, you know? So started just asking all of them, Hey, can you watch me do this? Can you watch me do that? Yeah. And then I had, uh, you know, some other like seasoned trainers that I looked up to as well. Mass Sergeant Rector was one of them. Yeah. Um, great friend of mine, um, prior Marine. Yeah. Um, we were in the same section, um, push flights together and I always looked up to him as well. Um, but he was also someone that like, kind of guided me along the way a little bit um with that kind of stuff and then of course uh sergeant duffy um, yeah would always be there but uh he was like i said the one mdc uh one person that had the blue rope and our mdc of our squadron so he was super busy like i look back at how he did things i'm like i don't know how he did it yeah knowing what i know now yeah Yeah. just there you know he was involved in everything yeah um so it was definitely he was someone I definitely looked up to and I still keep in touch with today. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely recommend that those of you watching to just get out and seek, seek some of that feedback and, and don't, don't have that, like that ego or that pride, let it all go and humble yourself to take whatever it is, because whether it's valid or not, it's still feedback. And, and whether, whether you think it's valid or not is what I mean. Yeah. It's still feedback and somebody still sees that perception or that reality. Yeah. So there's still always some kind of adjustment that could be made because we're never, this is a never ending journey for, you know, self greatness yep. that, you know, you, I feel like I've committed to and like, you know, like-minded people like, we, you know, um, it's never ending. It's a marathon. So there's always a way to get better at something. So. Yeah. 
And I think that's something that um, as a society or like a Air Force military that we kind of fall short on is we have this expectation of a mentor that, all right, I need your help and they're, they're going to like help you. You know what I mean? But it's it's not the reality. It's like if you really are passionate or you need something like it goes both ways. Is it does. That, very, very yeah. true. If you very need true. it, you will you will go get it. Like you will make time for it. And then the other end, if you are the one giving it, vice versa, you make that time. So yep. that's a good takeaway definitely is that, uh, especially for those of you listening and watching, is that like mentorship is a two-sided coin. It's not just, oh, yeah. I'm here. Hey, come out here. Let's do this. Let's do this. You come out here. Like th them kind of pushing, push, putting that pressure on you every single time. That's not how this works. And I think that's a mentality that a lot of the younger generation has. I agree. I think so too. Is that not like they're entitled, but, um, well, yeah, like maybe entitled that they expect like, Hey, you're, you're the best. It's time for you to teach me how to be the best. It's like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. that's not and how this works. I think a lot of people were, we're all about that. Right. Yeah. But you have to show some kind of initiative, some yep. kind of drive. Yep. And, I'm going to be more inclined to help that person that's exhibiting those qualities yeah. versus the other person that's, I got to beg them and pull them along to, to say, drag Hey, them to get hey let me watch you yep. do this. Let me give you some advice. Let me, you know, watch me do this, watch me do that. And they're, yeah. they're like, uh, you know, every time versus that person that's like, I hit them up. Hey, what, um, they hit me up. I have the time like, Hey, I'm about to do x y or z can you watch me and i'm yep. like yeah bet i'll be there yeah um or hey my schedule doesn't allow that right now let's look at a different time cause yeah you know i'm super busy right now so yeah um i've been it, suffering it, the last two weeks <laughs> he's been on leave and uh yeah. so yeah busy definitely busy but yeah i mean it's like it's like anything you're gonna get what you put into anything yeah. um there's a long quote and i don't remember all of it by heart but um by joe rogan that i really like where he talks about always giving everything your best yeah and uh those in life that you know give their best they are going to be the ones that succeed that mm -hmm. get out there get those positions and and just be successful all around and you know the worst thing that can happen from giving your best is you fall short but at the same time you learn something along the way yeah and if you have that mindset, there's never any losing. I, I feel like a lot of people, they, they feel like if they hit a failure or a roadblock, they're like, give up real quick. Yeah. Versus take that as a learning experience. Like a lot of people don't see the failures that I've had because yeah. like you're talking about all my accolades, but there's been a lot of setbacks, a lot of failures, a lot of hard times, a lot of ups and downs. Yep. And that's with anybody. Um, so you can either let that stuff you know, knock you on your ass and blame everybody else or blame the circumstance or poor me kind of thing. Or you can get up and you can do something about it and yeah. you can go out there and make your destiny happen. Yeah. Cause there's another little thing I like is, uh, if it's meant to be, then it's up to me. Yeah. I've said it to you before, but uh, yeah. it's true. You got to get up. You got to make shit happen sometimes. Yeah. Get, get it done. Right. Get it so, done. Yep. Um, Nobody's going to hold your hand in life. I've learned, I learned that at a young age. I think that was something before the, the military that, uh, just my background. I come from Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, hardworking Midwestern family. Yep. Um, and my parents split when I was a senior in high school and mm -hmm. 
uh, like my dad was like big about, I ain't going to give you anything in life kind of yeah. thing. And I kind of had to figure out my own way. Yeah. So, um, it gave me like some perspective to like, if I want, I can sit and like whine, whine about, about this, yeah. right. Or, mm-hmm. or I can get up and make my life mean something. Yeah. And I chose not to sit back and have a pity party. You yeah. Know? So it's a mentality. It is. Yeah, it is. And definitely something that, um, we want y'all listening and watching to kind of take in is that like, especially those of you young in your career, whether you're in the Air Force, Space Force now, right? Marines, mm-hmm. Army, Navy, Coast Guard, like a, a young uh, member, whether you're enlisted or officer, like the biggest thing that you can bring to the table is your mentality. Um, and that's going to really define whether or not you're successful. Like you, can, like you said, like have a pity party, right? Like you get knocked knocked down and you have a pity party but in reality it's really your mentality like am i going to let this define me am i going to let this you know not making rank define me am i going to let you know whatever it is this failure define me so yeah and easier said than done definitely it is it is definitely something like another thing that like my dad used to always say when i was a kid because my dad's an iron worker he set steel he's started his own business and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. he's like hard working dude. Um, but he used to always say like when life gets tough, like tighten your belt buckle a little tighter and grit your teeth a little harder yeah. and fight through it. Uh, and that kind of stuck with me too. Is like, nobody's going to give you shit in this world. Uh, military or not, nobody's gonna give you shit. Yeah. And you got to get out there and earn it every day. Take it. So I got like a mindset just, you know, that every day matters and you got to go out there and really like get after it. So. Yeah. So other than um, what you've given given our viewers. All right, sorry about that. The camera died. Um, but We're back. Yeah, we're back. So going back to it, I literally forgot what we were talking about. Uh, we were kind of – we didn't really get started into, like, my time as an MTI, but we were talking just about mindset. Kinda. Okay, yeah, mindset. So um, what would be your final uh, – because this is going to be a series, all right, y'all? Hopefully, hopefully, because it took us – it's, yeah, this has months, been in the works for a long time. Months yeah. to get here, but um, this is going to be a series. So what would be your final kind of, I guess, like tidbit or final like rec- recommendation or tip for th- for those listening and watching uh, for them to, I guess, be successful, right? Like what, what would it be other than like your mindset and kind of whatever it is? Like what would be your last thing that you tell them that kind of make or break? So there's going to be a lot of times throughout your career, like whatever you're doing, where you're going to see everyone around you doing different things. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to join the crowd and go out and have the good time or cut up and go joke and smoke at the smoke pit and Mm -hmm. uh, kind of hang out. Um, But it takes that dedicated person to like really sit down and buckle in and get to know the regs or whatever it is that you have in your job, any kind of guidelines and get out there and get after it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would recommend doing it. it. It honestly pays off. I've been able to have like such an amazing career so far. Like it really, it's been nothing but a blessing. Like, yeah. Even the looking back, the the times that you know were bad, we're all learning experiences, and it's made me, you know, who I am today. Um, so I would definitely recommend like starting off strong, young, and setting that that standard throughout your career because then there's no turning back. 
I'm too far along now to be like, oh, I'm going to change the way I do things as yeah, far as like, yeah, I'm yeah. going to stop caring. That yeah. doesn't happen. I've, I probably said it before, like, oh, I don't even care about this anymore. Like, uh, tired of all this BS or whatever. Yeah. But just keep pushing and it'll end up paying off. Like, yeah. it, re- it really does. No matter what you're doing, you're going to deal with some kind of BS. Things aren't going to go your way. Um, push through it and just keep giving it your all and it will pay off. It really does. The military... One thing I can really say is you might not even see it at first, but the military does recognize hard work and su- like sustained superior performance. performance yep. And uh, they really do. They really do recognize it. Mm. Like you might not always get the awards. Some other person might get BTZ over you and you're like, oh, I'm better than that person or whatever. Um, but just keep giving it your all support. Those people that get those positions or get those awards. Don't be a hater. And, uh, and just keep doing your thing. And I promise it pays off. Like it really does. Um, like you asked me, like if I sought out any of these positions, I didn't seek out any of these positions. Yeah. They honestly, that opened up to me. And the only thing I can think of why, cause I've even like thought about it. Like, you know, how did I get to the point where I'm at today? And I, I think it is just by the reputation that I built yeah. through hard ass work. Yep. Like that's literally it. I built a reputation and people wanted me on their team and it, they made it happen. So, um, but still being a line instructor was my favorite thing ever in this. Tour. <laughs> yeah, me too. It was so much fun. <laughs> it was so much fun. Every flight was a blast. I didn't have one flight that I was like, Oh, I hate this flight. Or you, you sometimes hear instructors complain about, Oh, that was my worst flight ever. Yeah. I don't feel that way about any of my flights. My flights were all badass, and, uh, they were all a bunch of stone cold killers. So yeah, it was a lot of fun, and that was the times where you had the most camaraderie with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it gets lonely at the top, but that's facts. It it, it does, um, but you got to just keep the big picture in perspective. And that, I guess that's another tidbit of advice: try to look beyond um, the right now. Some people get so caught in the everyday grind mm-hmm. and they fail to see the big picture on things. And that was one thing I refused to do as a young airman. I could have been like, Hey, cannon sucks. Uh, yeah. there's nothing to do in Clovis, New Mexico, blah, blah, blah. But I looked at the big picture and like, Hey, if I put this work in now and looking back, I'm glad I went there Yeah. versus like Nellis or even somewhere else, you know, like where I could have got myself in into a different mindset where I was like partying or some stuff like that. But I, I remained focused and it it really set me up for success. Um, it really did. And um, just keeping that big picture in mind, I always knew like what we did mattered and what you do matters no matter what your job is in the Air Force. Every, everything, like I said in the beginning, uh, it's all part of the, the big Air Force machine and yep. it takes every little thing. If I can't do my job, the air crew can't go do their, their job, preventing the people on the ground, whether it be – green berets or pjs saving a life uh, from doing their job um, so it all plays a bigger bigger picture role and the stuff's important we're, we're entrusted with a lot of stuff um, i never thought i'd be working on 100 million dollar aircraft or anything like that um, so i appreciated that trust that the air that the air force put in me and i never wanted to let the air force down yeah the air force has given a lot to me and I feel like it's given me some of the best experiences of my life, put me in places, positions, and things that I never thought were possible as a young kid from Cincinnati. So it's been fun. 
So a lot of stuff, right, that we've kind of like talked about and gave to y'all. So this is going to be a series, um, obviously, because you can't really, what was it, like 30, almost 40 minutes of um, talk time. You can't really address an entire career in the span of 40 minutes. Yeah. So definitely we have a lot more to talk about, but def- I, you know, I appreciate you coming on the, um, the, the episode to kind of introduce yourself finally months later. Yeah. Um, cause we shouted him. This, this is the guy we shouted out me and, uh, Sarah McDonald, uh, what was it, like six months ago, months ago. Right. Uh, this when is, I was making him go up for his yeah, blue rope and he was kind of fighting forced, me tooth and nail. <laughs> it's like, or not doing do it. Things. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but there's a, there's a reason for it too. So appreciate y'all listening and watching. I appreciate you uh, for coming on the show. Definitely hit that like button, that subscribe. Hit up the comments for questions that you might have specific to um, Sergeant Wernke. We failed to mention he's also the president of the Blue Rope Association. So there's a bunch of, it's like a giant list of like, accolades. There's a bunch of stuff that this guy does. Um, he's a psycho. We call him the maniac of BMT. But there's a lot of stuff that he does. And if y'all have any questions that you have specifically for him that I can't answer, um, hit it up in the comments below or uh, hit it up on TikTok or whatever it is. Um, I don't even think this guy knows his handle for IG. <laughs> he has, I don't, but you can throw it in there. Yeah, he has a social uh, media. I'll put it down in the, uh, you know, in the comment or the, the uh, info below. But appreciate y'all listening, watching, and we'll see you on the next one. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man.